the second episode of the third season of Amazon's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. This one is called It's the 60s, man! <laughs> awesome. That was like very Cheech and Chong of you. Thank you. Gracias. <laughs> Can you dig, Paul? Oh, I, I so dig. <laughs> that panty pick, Paul, I knew it was going to rear its ugly head from last episode. Freaking A. Immediately. As soon as I saw underwear, I was like, that underwear's coming back. Come back. It did. Well, that was one of the things that we said, if we, if it doesn't, then we don't know what TV is all about or something. And Yeah, sure. Because so. you're always like constantly putting out there, if we know what TV is about, yeah. this will be right. You're a gambler like that. You're like, if I don't get this right, shoot me every time. <laughs> right. Well, so panty pick though. All right. Was it actually Susie's responsibility or not? Yeah, your name. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, she's supposed to be a, an image part of the of her consultancy, and if a picture like that gets out, it's it's her job to know that a picture's coming out. It's her job to know that a picture like that comes out. Then then how to kill it? You know, it might be too late to kill it once it's out. But I'm very curious if, given the time we live in now, where we are so aware of having control of your image, that's like such a big deal. I tease my own friends about that when they want to go put a picture of our our good time out on Facebook, and I'm like, no, 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 not a picture that I'm in because I don't need my my face out there. Like I don't appreciate that, and I don't want that. For me, I think now that's the world we live in, and certainly viewers would understand that. But I'm very curious if in 1959, the concept of controlling your image was exactly the same. Now, I certainly know that the studios were very tight about controlling images of actors. Like they would purposely plant people together, you know, like make sure, sure, you know, two people appeared to be dating or that type of thing. So I'm sure that there was like an awareness. But for Miriam, who's like so early on in like show business, I wonder if it's if that is even so clear or if it's just that this is such an embarrassing picture and so obviously should have been controlled, then that's really like how we're getting into this concept. Because if it wasn't so big and so obvious, you know, would that work? Because I know in like other ways, you know, she could have easily taken a lot of crappy pictures along the way. No, you're right. It's got to be the the big grand uh, panty gesture um, that, that would have been obvious to anyone that that needed to be have been controlled. But. And do you think that it was of the time that in 1959 or now 1960s newspaper would publish that photo? Like, is that questionable to us? Did did they reveal which paper this was from? She said something like the Mirror or something like that, which kind of sounded kind of uh, tabloidish. Yeah, like I mean. We don't have a lot of newspapers left in the world anymore, but when there were, some cities had multiple newspapers of varying... Like mainstream? Well, yeah, that and quality. By quality, I mean like the top flight reporters, the, the verified sources, the you know, best pictures versus the things that were more like rumors. We call them the panty pick rags of the day. The Yeah, the, the pictures just by hired gun photographers, that sort of thing. Paparazzi. Exactly. <laughs> so it might have been from the prehistoric TMZ of the Ooh, day. It was like the ABC of the <laughs> TMZ. <laughs> right. I totally agree with you. I think it's shit. I would have been so pissed because I'm so pissed when there's like an uncomfortable picture of me on Facebook like I go right to my friends like I handle it the same way as she did sitting there eating like I would totally run to them and be like "Mm -mm." like I'm like untag take me off hide this person unfriend like immediately I'm pissed so I completely get it I'm hoping do you think this is done or do you think this picture is going to continue to cause a problem nah this picture I mean we might see it again but I don't think it'll be like a source of problem maybe like a source of embarrassment okay intrigue intrigue looking forward to that then Sophie's situation Paul we've been discussing it discussing it discussing it it came up last season it's been like gnawing on us now she's finally had to tell Midge here's the sitch I have to consider the Sophie Lennon situation how did you feel about the way that they introduced Miriam to the 
you've got to wrap your head around this notion with Imogene and the exercise class. That was the Paladinos at their best that, you know, making the actors go through long, arduous cuts of doing, you know, some sort of insane slash inane <laughs> routine. You know, you've seen it in Gilmore Girls or, but more so with, with Maisel. Um, and then, then actually having an actually important conversation that sort of draws out some of the expositional stuff in as casual as you could be in the middle of one of those silly jazzercise things, <laughs> right? Like they did yeah. it last season with the, with the Simon Says or whatever it was, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree completely. And I feel like it also layered in so many different things. It reminded us of the day, of the time, of what women were like, that they were attending these classes, that Imogene looked like she hadn't given birth at all. She gave birth four weeks ago. She looked tiny. She was having the woman behind her say, you're so big, I can't see past you, which is like insane, right? They reminded us, calling back to the first season about like, that's the div divorcee corner, that that's the, the fat mom corner. I remember they like went through the little clicks that happened in the exercise classes, which totally happened. They, um, they managed to layer that part in and they managed to layer in the part where Imogene is going to be loyal to her friend. She's not going to speak up and say like, Hey, I think you're wrong. She continuously asked questions that basically like peeled back the, the idea that Midge is like, gotta get with it. There is no savings. Susie isn't making enough money off of her. She doesn't have another job. There are no associates. She can't possibly live off of one client. You know, like it was yeah. all laid out there in this back and forth in a way that was like, Midge had no choice by the end of this this five minute or less exercise class to be like, hey, yeah, I got, <laughs> I need to be a lot cooler to Susie now. And we got it from Imogene who was not, you know, there are, there are, there are friends in TV that go for the the jugular, you know, like the... Well, today's like, 2000 women do. Yeah, like... But this was a different relationship. Think of like Aunt Jackie from the Connors. Like she wouldn't have the kind of the, just the wide-eyed, she makes half of what you make, right? Kind of kind of thing. And so it, it, was, it was better coming that way, I thought, uh, just because there was no, no malice or... Like beating her around the head about it. It right. was just like, it was a natural lead a horse to water situation, you know? And then like Midge had, she really did have to drink because it was so obvious, you know? Yeah. Okay, so here's a, was it obvious question? Courtroom scene, divorce, can't believe this is happening. Did you think the judge was going to actually grant the divorce or was there enough humming and hawing that you thought maybe he's actually going to send them on their way and not grant this divorce? Well, you know, up until the moment where he said, I can't stop you. I just want to make you think about it. Until he said that, I, I, since I don't know how divorce proceedings work, I thought that he might say, no, you guys got to gotta go back and, and take some more time. I didn't know if that was within his legal you know, rights and responsibilities. So yeah, I kind of thought he was gonna. I wondered that too, especially because it really was Miriam as the client in the courtroom and Joel was there like in the courtroom, but he wasn't actually part of the, the proceedings. And so I thought this might actually be one of those like fathering from the bench thing, mm. like treating her like a child, treating her like she needed to go back and think about what she did and how is he going to yeah. live without, like with, the, without like the, the husband. Like and the judge in her indecency course or right course, trial. Much, much more like was... finger wagging i thought that was gonna happen hmm. um so i was worried i thought this might be a little moment where we get to see you know how justice still had not come around in terms of like you know treating women equally at all i mean if she comes back to court i wouldn't expect anything wildly different than that at this point in, in history things are still pretty one-sided. I mean, the the judge said he, d he didn't understand how the kids could be left home with the dad. He was like, but you're the mom, but you're the dad. It was, you know, a product of the, of the time that was, seems silly now, but I bet 
the sentiment, maybe not the wording, but the sentiment was probably exactly right. I think completely. And and I appreciate it again that they like layered that in there. Like it's not exactly like they had to have like an aside where it was like, remember everyone, typically a mother stayed home and a father went to like, they didn't have to do that. It was like very like, oh, the judge is like representing societal norms of the day right now, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to be held to it weirdly in a court of law. Like the idea that you could not just go ahead and live your life but like the court of law could actually question you on whether the mom works or not is like what that's bizarre but here we were right so relieved not relieved will this divorce stick not stick what do you think i mean could we possibly really be done with joel and miriam is it really done hold up before you answer i'm going to remind you the paladinos have a sick sick need to go back to old flames I don't think they're done in terms of staying each uh, out of each other's beds. However, I do think they're done as an official, you know, ring wearing couple. Okay. Out of okay, so you're saying you think the they are going to continue to sleep together? Occasionally. Yeah. Okay. What do you, what what's the what's the sitch on that? If both party if you're divorced, and both parties let's just say both parties are single, okay? If both parties are single and you're divorced, cool to sleep together, not cool to sleep together. It's probably couple by couple. I think I don't know that there's there should be any more strings attached than there would be if there's just two singles that that didn't have the history. I mean, I guess in reality there would be more strings attached than that, but but it for, you know, practically and legally there's not. I really wonder, I wonder if like, I wonder if divorce couples do this. Like, do they just be like, you know what? I just like, you seem familiar. I kind of know my way around. Like, right, like Dorothy ways. and Stan. Yeah, Dorothy and Stan. You know, they totally got back in bed together, right? And every time they'd be like, wah, wah, right? Yeah. But it's, I mean, does it just happen to everybody? Is that just part of familiar old ways and, and sharing kids and all that stuff? Do people end up just getting back in bed together anyway? Or just the Paladinos show us these people all the time? Because Lorelai definitely hopscotched over to Christopher any old time. Yeah, she, there was what? Two major oh, get man, back just, with Chris moments, please, including right? like right uh, right after she. But even if they were just hanging around for like a short period of time, it was like really likely to happen, you know? So I kind of feel like I think the Paladinos will just continue to tap that like once you got chemistry with someone, it just might be there forever, you know, good or for bad, you know, it might be passionate fireworks or it might be, you know, <laughs> murder suicide pack, but whatever it is, the that chemistry doesn't go away. That's my that's my take on the Paladino's take on the whole thing. Okay. We did have some new characters that arose with the Midge Joel sect. We had Reggie who came in this time, Sterling K. If you guys don't know, we cover This Is Us as well. And so we love Sterling K. Brown from being old Randall on This Is Us. What did you think of him as Reggie, manager of Shy Baldwin? Interesting to see him in a different kind of role because in Randall he is kind of quirky but charismatic and earnest and likable and a guy that wants to be your friend and and wants you to be his friend and he's got a very Mr. Rogers like vibe about him like that weather song he sings and like a boo-boo song he has and Reggie on the other hand is a complete control freak to the point of wanting to make sure that you know that he is above you. Yeah. He doesn't care if you like him or not. And yeah, he, he's he's uh, friends with the boss. Boss is shy. They go back a long time. And, and yeah, he just wants you to know that that's where he's at. And you're you're not there and you, and you can't get there. I think that this character is super realistic in terms of what management really has to do in Hollywood and how they have to keep a tight reins on their talent. Because the reality is that most creative people have a tendency to get a little bit, you know, flighty and a little bit out there. And, Sidetrack. Well, and they're very... Um, overwhelmed and bombarded by all these people, you know, all these beautiful people, all these people with lots of ideas and all these wonderful things that are going to happen to them. Lots of offers, lots of opportunities for trouble. So I think you have to have a Reggie in the world. It's been interesting because Miriam's like, doesn't, she hasn't had this entourage or like crowds kind of feeling that shy has that feeling of like, you know, he has this huge fandom. She doesn't have that. So we haven't seen Susie have to be 
this like crackdown, know where you are, what you're doing, blah, 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 quite as hard. I mean, she did bitch at her about being late, you know, all the time. But you know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that part where there's these other people, these outside leeches that, that could be hanging around. That's not really happening to Midge where I could definitely see where someone like shy, when you see him at the party, you know, there's that sense that like people are like creeping on him, you know? And if you don't have a Reggie type keeping their eyes out, I think you could get yourself into a buttload of trouble. Certainly not be successful. Someone keeping track of you. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I, I would want that. Wouldn't you? No. Of the two managers, would you want Susie or would you want Reggie? I think, well, I guess Reggie, because Reggie knows that he works for you and he wants maybe, I mean, I don't know him exactly yet, but there's a, probably a good chance that he wants you to be as successful as you can be so that he can be as successful as he can be. I think that's true. And I think that I would definitely want Reggie because he is like looking ahead. He is looking out for trouble as opposed to Susie, who like never occurred to her that, you know, the painting picture would be out there in the world or whatever, you know, like that's something Reggie would have caught. Reggie would have been on top of, you know, it never would have gotten out there. And I, I think that that's the kind of thing that in order to be successful and not be constantly embarrassed, you really have to get ahead of things, you know? Yeah, I mean, there were several instances, even in this early thing, where where it was like, can we have money for pictures? No, get your own money, right? <laughs> right. Well, that's the other thing. Finances, right? How many stars have you seen? Poor Stan Lee, all of these people along the way where you're like, everything went to shit at the end because their finances were handled improperly in some way. And so the fact that Reggie does keep a tight rein on things financially too, he, he isn't just handing out Shai's money left and right. I think that that's a real plus and something that I hope as Susie and Midge like move forward and more money comes in. I have real concerns about Susie because I don't think that she's ever had any. And she we had that moment when she was like in the base and she was like, or, you know, at the USO, and she was like smelling the money. And Midge is like, and should I leave you alone? Like that kind of stuff. There's something about those little foreshadowing moments that makes me very worried about Susie and handling the money. I want to hope to God she's going to be very good at it. But my gut says she has no experience at this and she doesn't have any real reason to be good at it. So yeah, right. Reggie kind of looks like a jerk, but at the same time, look at it more like, huh, you know, it's in Shai's bank account. That's a good thing. You know, he shouldn't be handing it out for another person's pictures, you know? Yeah. So I appreciated it. I hope we get to see more of Sterling. Do you suppose that he'll be around much in season three or because we know he's on This Is Us, do you think he'll have to just be like a quick cameo here and there? I think he'll be around maybe a little every episode. That okay. makes sense? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so we had another new character that came in. I'm also curious how much you think she's going to be around, and that's May. She came in because of Joel's new club, and we find out that the club has a club within it. It's like a club within a club, Paul. It's like a puzzle. What is like a riddle wrapped in an enigma, right? Yeah. It's like all that. Filled with Chinese people. <laughs> gambling it's like more like a riddle inside a fortune cookie if you will (laughs) (laughs) so may i like her right away she's already this sass she's already got this spunk to her that is like really like yes i love her i'm kind of curious if there's ever going to be a character really that that is the a woman that is going to be besides old penny pan who now that i look back she really kind of she was really lame, and that's kind of unusual for she the Paladinos. She was meant to suck. Right, right, right. She was definitely meant to suck, but I was just trying to think, like, they don't they do not do that a lot. You know, they don't make a lot of women well, meant I mean, to suck. Um, I mean, Abe's going to introduce us to one in, in a few minutes here, right? Oh, God. Madeline, yeah. Yeah. is her name? She's a little further down the suck scale than <laughs> well, Penny fact. Pan. <laughs> fact. Okay, so May hanging around Paul. Where we're we gonna see her more? What do you think? Do you like her? Are we gonna? Is she gonna be long term? I can see some sparks with Joel. That's all good. I like all that. Is she the new love interest, or will she just turn out to be a pal that helps him in business, or what? I sure would like to see them pursue something. It's just. Like the outside love interests tend to be seasonal on Maisel. I mean, if you can't keep Zachary Levi around, then what what what's going to happen with with May? Her name is she's the Rose Stephanie Sue. That's her real name. I hope that Stephanie Sue does get to stick around. I like her. She seems cool. She seems right on here. I like her. I am. I I see. I think I go back to the whole. I think that old Midge and Joel end up 
back in each other's beds and somehow it's going to mess up May. That's what I think. Yeah, that's that's what May's here for is to show us that Joel is still not quite uh, a figured out grown man that he that he wants to be. It's mm. getting there, but I don't want May to have to suffer through that. Ugh. She, she's she's as I, you know, her mind is quick, and she's she seems as formidable as as Midge. Yeah, mentally and verbally <laughs> for sure and like energy wise and like she's forward and she's talkative and all yes. that so i love all those parts to her yes that's probably why he likes her too he just doesn't even know right okay let's go over to abe because you brought up old madeline and the only reason why madeline's in the scene is because i think abe's role in this entire season is going to be continuously giving us a little glimpse into the changes society is going through just getting into the 60s I kind of wonder if Abe's new friends are a criticism of liberal ideals in general or just communism specifically as as as, as an example of liberal ideas gone too far cuz they the three people people don't sit around and argue about whether or not uh, Lenin and Marx agreed on different issues. It's, it's just not something people do unless you happen to have a, a, a stake in the fight, skin in the game. So I believe that's who they're representing. I looked it up and that would have been what they called part of the new left, which was something that emerged in the late 50s and early 60s, which led to a revival in something called libertarian socialism. And that also brought about more interest in things like communism and that sort of stuff. So, um, and give that stuff enough time and it gestates and becomes later movements like hippies and that kind of stuff. But they're not there yet. These are just the beginning stages of that. So what did you think about them? Like, what do you feel like the writers were, what was the show trying to sort of say about this group that was emerging? And especially, you know, we have Abe as like sort of our ambassador as the viewer, you know, from being like, you know, again, being in a university and then breaking away from what we're going to call the traditional mainstream or like sort of like company man ish kind of feeling and starting to glimpse into more of what the, the changes are societally. What do you think the commentary is or like, what are we supposed to be gleaning here? I think Abe is about the message that they want to want to make. And just like real life communism, uh, the message gets lost in the practices of the people that, that are putting it into place. And these people say that they're communists at one point, but when it comes to Zelda and their treatment of her, they're not, they're not brothers in arms a, a, as workers. They are willing to, to be above her, which is kind of n not supposed to be part of their belief system, but, the, but they take right to it. So I think the commentary is there that idealism is great, but people are kind of shitty. So you, you have to, you have to aim a little lower. Interesting. Okay. I feel like I'm going to hold judgment a little bit on this because they're, they're pretty newly introduced idea to us. And I kind of want to see how Abe flushes out with this. If he kind of, you know, finds his footing in it, or, I mean, obviously he was, uh, on a very, just like visceral level, having people in his home was a good idea to start with. And then it clearly spun out for him really quick like people using his bathroom people sleeping all over his house like he he seems to have like one foot in i want to be woke if you will but then also i'm a i'm an old dad who just kind of wants like my cozy sweater and to like you know read my book or you know play my piano or whatever and i don't really really want change I just, but I want to be aware of like, what, what's the change going on out there? But I'm not quite sure that I can make any changes myself. At least in this episode, I think he wants to be French Abe, which is someone that talks about intellectual things at the cafe. Right. <laughs> but like, is it okay that it like comes into your every moment of your life right. in, One, in your bathroom? Once it leaves the cafe and starts using your toilet, it's a different mm, ball game. It does feel to start ordering around your maid. <laughs> right. It can feel quite a bit different. Yes. Well, how did you feel about them? 
I, like I said, I kind of want to reserve judgment because I think that Abe's behavior with them is going to ultimately show me what the Paladinos think. Um, and so, and as a viewer, I'm, I need to see them kind of flush out a little bit because right now they were just sort of like scattered around. I think that they were a good source of sort of like a little bit of like chaos, you know, in terms of, um, the idea of Abe trying to find his place in the world was very palpable with them in it, in that apartment, you know, Mm -hmm. it felt very chaotic. It felt like he was out of control of his surroundings and, and that was very visually happening. And so I think that that was a good depiction of how he's feeling internally, but I don't, I'm not ready to land as to like what we're supposed to think about this movement and like what exactly Abe's going to end up doing with it. If he will be successful trying to do something or is he going to like shun it ultimately or what's going to happen? It, it might just, you know, the, when they, when you have a two term president, like, like Eisenhower would have been at this point, there's naturally going to be the, the group of people that's like, I want something different, you know, and that would have been this group. Right. Mm, okay. So maybe that's part of what we're seeing. Okay, interesting. Really interesting. I I always love like how Maisel manages to add, you know, the the what's going on in the world today kind of moments for us. Because I think, you know, like the same as like Mad Men. I always loved that when we got a little glimpse and you're like, whoa, that's what's really happening. Um, I think it's super enlightening and helps me stay in the in the setting of our story. You know, it's it's um it's fun to look at Midge's outfits and her hair and her makeup and stuff like that. But when you are reminded of how people are treated and what people's thoughts were of the day. I think that that makes it like so much more real and like immersive. Well, it anchors the fiction in a way that, that reminds you that, that it could have happened. That is a fantastical segue, Paul, into Rose's storyline. Rose Lehman, it turns out was her maiden name because the question mark of, is this, fictional or is this rooted in reality comes with her background we when they said that she was heading to providence assumed they meant rhode island i did so i'm sure that was very much on purpose that was a beautiful bait and switch moment for the paladinos so when they show it's providence oklahoma i was like to the google because i need to understand were there a lot of Jewish profitable businesses going on in Oklahoma during this time frame? And I found out, thanks to myjewishlearning.com, that yes, in fact, it is plausible that they would have this Southern Jewish history for real going on in Oklahoma. Turns out that there were actual families that were very successful in the oil business, same as the Lehmans here. And I think that that was pretty remarkable that they added that layer in. And again, just kind of pulled back on the history a little. It kind of reminded me of the Watchmen in terms of like, I don't think about Oklahoma at all, Paul. Okay. I just don't think about them at all. I mean, when I say at all, I mean at all and we are in texas we border oklahoma and i don't care about what's going on in oklahoma and i bet if you asked the other 49 states and said hey does anyone give a hoot about what's going on in oklahoma today they'd be like i do not including the ones in oklahoma i bet they do not and so when you watch things like the watchmen and you see the history there and then you find out that there's like this rich diverse history that is not just you know what you would think maybe of for us because we're here we know that there were like native american settlements there and all kinds of stuff that it's like oh yeah i mean we know about some of the things but i never knew that there was a large jewish population there or that there was these in the Watchmen, successful black business community. I did not realize that these things were going on. So it, it is eye-opening because, again, Oklahoma, you're okay. <laughs> right. But other than that, we just don't really think about you at all. And so I feel like Oklahoma's having a real resurgence right now <laughs> of people remembering that they even exist. So good for them. And uh, for those of you wondering plausible on the southern jewish storyline we're going to put a link to this story in our on our webpage. so go take a look at that yeah i mean as texans and we are so rich in oil history here and things that we talk about i was really interested when they showed this oil tycoon family there was a couple of things a part of it that i'm gonna say that the the article did remind me but as soon as i read it i was like yeah duh that's obvious so things like having a mansion out on the ranch no 
No, no, no. I mean, it was cute and cool for the sake of the story that they wanted to show us this awesome home. But the reality is, is that no, like here in Houston, the big, beautiful mansions are downtown. Um, that is where the oil tycoons would have lived. That is where the beautiful homes are not out, out on the ranches. Like that's not a thing you have. You would have homes for your employees and you would have you know something more rustic cabin like i'm sure it would be beautiful well appointed but it would not look like this type of mansion that they're trying to show that would not happen and that's believable you could drive all through texas and for sure you will find pockets of towns with some beautiful old homes in town center but they are not out in the fields anywhere. That's just not a thing. So her like riding on like a dirt road for forever and then up to a huge mansion. With Derek's in the backyard. No. Many, <laughs> many Derek's in the backyard. <laughs> no. And and Paul can say that because Paul's been on Derek's. Like this is real stuff. Like we understand this. That's not what it looks like or how it happens. Not I, even back in the day. More I, importantly, not back in the day. Because let's be reasonable. They're not running electricity and water and all that shit way out there like that not like that not at that level you know right and if they were pumping enough oil to justify all those derricks and pump jacks that you could see they would have been richer than that um the other thing that they said that i thought that was interesting you can check it out in the article was like generationally that this wasn't quite right that generationally it would have made more sense for it to have been their mom not their grandma to have been the person who have started the company just because of when oil oil came to be and when people would have been the successful at this point so there's that, which I'm not quite sure why they needed to do that. I mean, they didn't have to make it grandma, you know, they could have just made it mom. Um, so I'm not sure why they felt like they needed to do that. Uh, I thought it was real interesting when they layered in the family, you know, obvious gender biases there. They let the little boy be a part of the, the board, but she wasn't even allowed to sit there and discuss her own trust fund with her siblings and her family relatives. Like what? Yeah. That was insane. Um, but I can say that, and I'm going to ask you, I personally would not have handled this trust fund situation the way that she did. I don't think that you're spiting anyone except for yourself to give up your family rights like that. I would never do that. Like never in a billion years. I understand that she wanted a place on the board and it was like, give me a place on the board or else, but it should be, give me a place on the board or I'll go get a lawyer. Basically. Yeah. Not like give me a place on the board or I'm going to give up all of my rights. And essentially you guys just get more money. <laughs> like walking away doesn't prove anything to them and certainly isn't going to change what they're doing. Well, unless she signs something, I don't know that she's actually pissed away, but I have to say that I can't disagree with anything that you just said. You cannot feed your family with dignity. They need money. And I don't really think that just being outraged is good enough to make any movement towards progress. She left so, that room and someone said, crazy bitch, huh? And then they were like, ho, ho, ho. And then they got back to smoking cigars. So let me, let me just say that again, though, because I feel like I see this on Facebook every day. Being outraged is not a significant movement forward in progress. So I'll give you an example this week. Someone posted a picture of the license plate of a car and said, good job, mom, for leaving your kids in the car for five to 10 minutes while you went inside. This was not me or anything, people. And the first comments people said was, did you do anything about it or did you just post this picture? And that's how I kind of felt about Rose. Like, you didn't change the board. You didn't change the way your family does things. You made zero progress for for any women, nieces, cousins, anything below you in terms of them getting any respect. You just threw a tantrum and you left. Like you made zero steps towards something good happening. I'm not impressed. And I'm kind of like personally super sick of just outrage for the sake of outrage. It's so boring. She's new to this. She is. And that gets brought up, right? Yeah. That she's kind of like was cool with staying quiet and sleepy in her little lovely, you know, apartment. And she didn't. It's not little. It's beautiful. Um, and she didn't want to be woke by anybody. And 
she didn't want to realize that there was like discrimination in the world against women. Like she didn't want to feel that. Like she felt it in that meeting. She didn't want to, she was fine with like being at her garden club meetings. You know, she didn't want to think about the fact that she doesn't have representation on a board of her own family, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's crap. I, man, I would just have sat in the seat. They would have had to physically remove me from the room. That's how that would have gone down, you know? Right. The old, I'll let you know when I'm done. Yeah, I'll get out of the seat when I'm done sitting, okay? I'll let you know when that is. Till then, proceed with the meeting, right? Yeah. Like, come on. I don't know. I think that uh, I I was a little bit laughing, too, because I thought that Rose's like comment that, you know, her brother didn't know anything about the business because all he was doing was going around checking with the workers, making sure things were going okay. Oh, I'm only going to give that like a okay. I mean, I know we had to try to get that point in that he probably wasn't out there digging a ditch ever. But I think the idea that if one of the workers said, actually, no, boss, something's going wrong. He probably would have known what to do in terms of at least who to call or what to do next. Right. So then in that case, I mean, Rose, what do you think supervising looks like besides walking around and checking in with everyone and being like, is things going okay here? Yeah. Any problems? No. All right. Next people. I mean, that is like the, the work of anyone that is not the physical person doing the job. No. Any management level above that is just checking in with the level below them. For yeah. the most part, for the right? most part, right. So I was like, uh, Rose, that was kind of, that was kind of weak sauce. If anyone out there in the world is wondering if uh, Rose's um, tantrum had any impact on the world of, of oil drilling, I'll tell you that to this day, there is still a job in the world of oil drilling called Company Man. That's the title, it's on your card, Company Man. And so, no, <laughs> no. Why don't you explain what that is? Because there's like very few people. Who okay, that was a term. gross overgeneralization. Talking about <laughs> women can be company man, and I don't know what they call them if they are. But it might... tell what a company man is. Explain what what is that? A company man is the representative from the big oil company, say your Exxon's, your Chevron's, whatever, that is actually the boots on the ground at the rig. So it's either offshore, onshore, whatever, but they actually live there and they look out for the company's interests in their rental of that rig and the lease on the land and making sure everything's going the way that the company wants it to go. Super good explanation because I, that I'd like, as you were saying it, my mind was like company representative. Like I was like actively thinking of it as you were saying it, I would have explained it verbatim how you explained it, which means like our elementary school, Texas (laughs) (laughs) teachers did a great job of explaining to us because I don't work for an oil company kids. And yet I very much understood what a company man is. The, the main thing is they're like the corporate, you know, face. If anyone, there, yeah, if anyone listening to this is a woman company man, I would really like to know about it. Yeah. And part of the thing that you need to know about that in case you're like thinking about this again, it's leased land. It's a rented, it's rented equipment. A lot of times these are, um, these are considered dangerous jobs. I mean, people lose fingers, people get hurt all the time. Um, because this is, this is equipment that is, um, what's the right way? It's under a lot of pressure. Yes. So how do you, how, how do you. I don't want to say it's dangerous equipment because that doesn't describe it well enough. The pressure of the oil coming out creates a very precarious, tension-filled situation, even on the equipment itself. And so people, little frail, you know, people in the world, and I don't mean that women, I mean like we are just made of skin. We are no match for the metal and the pressure of everything coming out of the ground. So... I mean, the idea of being out on a rig out in the ocean, I mean, scary as anything. I mean, I would definitely feel like I wouldn't want to be out there personally. But additionally, even if you were like the bravest gal or whatever, the um, the conditions would be the same as like being, you know, in, in, the, in a rugged military type of situation where, you know, the sleep schedules are like super bizarre. Nobody's showering. There's, you know regularly you know there are facilities but you know what i'm saying like if there's it's a grimy add in that if if, rough stitch it's almost like it's almost like lost in the hatch if someone doesn't keep track of something very closely at all times and manage it perfectly 
i.e. the button, it'll blow up. <laughs> right. Now, uh, now, is it completely ridiculous in terms of like, can women do this job? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yes, for sure. Without a doubt. It is just a very physically taxing job. And so uh, like from that standpoint, historically, it has not been very female friendly. And again, sort of in that barracks kind of way, like there's a lot of, um, well, they're called roughnecks for a reason, right? The guys, I, I think that there's just a real, uh, they're out there kind of, it's kind of a primitive space, right? That's the nicest way it's I could say it. Rugged fraternal. and and primitive. And so in that way, I think uh, all the women that I would see in this in this time frame, like the idea of being involved with the oil business, um, you know, seems like not likely. Um, but, you know, again, the company man is far more uh, up the food chain and is certainly going to be more polished i want to say right than any of the workers in I the think, field or I think, anywhere i think oscar's his own company man at this point oh i definitely think so, so yeah yeah i think that's exactly what he was representing i think exactly their own interests right? yeah he was just walking around making sure that things were being done you know the right way hopefully you guys are understanding what we're saying we're in <laughs> we're in zero way sexist like a hundred percent women can be whatever they want to be i just think there's not as many women who would want to do this type of work it's and i only point that out difficult. about company man because i'm just so surprised Surprised it hasn't had some sort of change applied to it. That's well, and all. Paul has commented because he's been in oil now for 20 years. Um, he's commented over the years to me how, uh, well, rough even meetings are still and that the way that men talk and the way that men behave in a corporate setting is still wouldn't be uh what we consider like pc at all yeah. um at any point in time in the last 20 years i mean you've come home many times being like i can't believe that guy said that you know um so i mean it still exists today that's not like a rose it a rose could have could walk into her family meeting today in 2020 and find a setup the same and you would not see paul or i like bat an eye at that would be like well I mean, that's historically what this business looks like, you know, and nobody's none, none of us are saying that's awesome, but it's just historically it is. That is what it has looked like. You know, it is definitely a good old boy and club. I was just reminded of my in my brain. There's also land man. So there's company man and land man. Those are different jobs that have the word man still in the title. It's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> the part about this Rose storyline that I didn't like. You mentioned that you don't like that that her that her outburst was just eventually ineffective. pointless. I mean, there wasn't any real. It wasn't a great way to handle it. What I don't like about it, from a TV writing standpoint, is this is the first we've heard of this magical trust fund or her Oklahoma family, and we're three seasons in. You know, like. Uh, maybe they never counted on going this long. I don't know. But this seems like the sort of thing that, you know, she should have had a pair of boots in the closet. You know, she should have had a Stetson in the closet or something that, that Midge, like, pulls out because they share dresses, right? Well, it would be interesting to now look back. Like, I don't know. I mean, there were several times, especially in season one, when she does go in her mom's closet. We should peep around a little because I never did. I mean, there would have been hat boxes and stuff in there. I mean, Stetsons have hat boxes too, so I don't know that we would have necessarily seen it, but we could look and see if we saw something like that. I really doubt that there would be boots because they were treating it very much like boots were actually left in the home mm. in various sizes for whoever is going to go out on the land, which you guys, I mean, maybe that exists in some families, but boots are your own, like... But still, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. This would have been the this would have been something that she should have had. There could have been a picture. There would have been maybe some sort of something, any something, anything, rather than just this feels forced. It just feels like they needed a reason, and 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 they needed something quirky, and they wanted to give it to Rose, and so boom, they just made this up. Well, I mean, and it also like harkens back to this idea that the Paladinos seem to have that all families have some sort of trust fund and all families. I mean, this is the same in Gilmore Girls, really. I mean, there's this idea of like, 
families with money who hang it over your head and there's like strings attached and there's, they expect you to act a certain way. I didn't even catch that aspect, but that's totally, totally right. So long as you act in a certain way, you can receive your money. But if you kind of, if you go against the grain in any way, they're going to pull the money from you or the money is going to dry up, whatever. And that your pretty, pretty lifestyle is probably only okay. Logan Huntsberger, others because of your parents you know, Colin and Finn and all those joking around stuff that ever happened, buying towns, buying cars, buying whatever, buying clubs, all this stuff happened because of your daddy. And like, think about it. Like, uh, it happened in, it happened exactly in Gilmore Girls. Um, I think it's Finn, but I'm trying to remember, um, buys a club, buys the club because he doesn't like the music they're playing and decides that they want to play some other kind of music, you know, Mm -hmm. like things like that. Like, like those kind of moments where you're like, that doesn't happen. But then look at Joel. He bought a club. Like, it's like, okay, you know, like, I mean, it's kind of part of whatever world they grew up in because they keep explaining it in these ways, you know, to the rest of us. Most of us don't know these trust fund families. Most of us don't know people who can go buy existing businesses or whatever on a whim, you know? Right. But there is a slice of the pie who can, you know, and there, and, and it is like, it, it does make for interesting um, viewing from a voyeuristic standpoint of being like, wow, that's just another walk of life that I just don't know shit about, you know, trust funds. She is, she's an adult woman who's like in her sixties, Paul, maybe in her late fifties or whatever, who still lives on a trust fund. Like, wow. Who, I mean, put that together. I mean, we may know people who had help getting a house when they first got out of school. Uh, We did, or who were given a car when they were 16. We were, but we don't know very many people, if at all. And maybe we do, but they're quiet to us. <laughs> right. Who receive a check every week or month. I, I might keep that we under my hat. I know a couple of people. I'm I'm guessing we might we might very well know a couple of people who still get a check. Um, or who do get a check and will in perpetuity. Um but yeah, I I don't feel that bad about the Rose story only because, and I'm going to tell you only because, they bothered to do the history about the Jewish roots in Oklahoma. If that part hadn't been true, if they if 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 the if the Jewish journals and all the different articles that are coming out who are kind of tracking whether or not the culture is being respected along the storylines, if they came out and said, this is ridiculous, there was never any type of people who lived here who ever would have had money like that, then I'd be super annoyed because then it was just like you just made up this fake life and you forced it upon us. But the fact that it has roots and it is real and it does make you feel like you can um, appreciate why she is a little... Um, how do I want to say this? She has that pretentiousness that like she didn't grow up in New York City. She didn't grow up in France. She didn't grow up with these things. She grew up in Oklahoma, you know? (laughs) And so there's some parts of that that now make me look at her a little like Madeline, a little like, you know, you act one way and you say one thing, but at the end of the day, you don't really have any problem acting, you know, pretentious. Her character has always been a little hollow for me in terms of like, you don't really have any, um, any reason to behave the way you do. Like the just taking to her bed the way she did in the one season or just taking off to France. Like she's always been sort of this super emotional fly off the handle and then even follow through with these like outlandish choices. Like she didn't just yell at her brother, but she like left and left her trust fund and blah, blah, blah. You know, like she carried it through way too far. Yeah. She didn't just get mad at Abe. She like went to France and lived there, you know? Like she does go like further than you would expect. Again, it makes for good TV, right? To be like that big and that, but she's not a very realistic character in any way. Not really. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't think you could be all those things. I don't, I don't think so. And I don't think Abe would be so obtuse to the fact that she has, she, he knows she has a trust fund. He knows she gets checks. Right. Exactly. He would know his own salary. Yes. I mean, there's kind of parts to this story where you're like, uh, I mean, Abe's not stupid. And I mean, you know, so where did he think them? How? <laughs> like we're both looking at each other like, uh, I think you're just supposed to kind of, you're supposed to take the filter and put put on the smoothing filter, the little yeah. Vaseline on the lens and just be like, okay. He well, says he doesn't know how much things cost. Okay. Maybe that's true. And I mean, they had a made for a long time. and And so all those things about not knowing what shopping things cost. Like, that's probably true. So maybe he just thought things stayed, 
you know, a dollar and he made a dollar. And so then it's okay. Didn't really think about it, but I don't know. It's a little weird, but all in all, what do you think of the episode? Did you feel like we, are we moving forward? Are we in, are, are we, are we just kind of hanging around? What are we doing? Well, we needed to, out of all that stuff, the, the one story point that we needed was for Midge to get over this Sophie thing. And the divorce. That's a yeah. big chop. Yeah, but I mean, the main thrust of her story is being the comedian, not being true. the wife. True, the, true, true. The The wife and mom is, is highly a shelved project. Hey, can I point this out just for like the kind of like eyebrow raise? Think about this. We were introduced to the idea of the trust fund. We visited the family, learned all of Rose's roots, and the trust fund went away in the course of like an episode and a quarter. Like the trust fund is no longer on the table as something to fix things. And we just learned (laughs) two seconds ago. But and we flushed it all out and no one should think of it anymore. That's kind of wild, right? Uh, that's kind of what made me not like it. Just the... Okay, because it felt like we were driving the car around in a parking lot and we didn't really get anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I like the the episode overall. I mean, good jokes and that kind of stuff. But yeah, that, that plot, while amusing and historically reasonably accurate, just didn't rub me the right way. Well, if it doesn't yield anything, I think maybe are we supposed to think about this, and maybe this is a parallel in both storylines, Within Midge's storyline, once things really like were were teased out, we realized, and Midge realized more importantly, that there was no choice. They were going to have to move forward with Susie having Sophie as another client, or at least other clients coming into the into the mix, right? Yeah. Parallel, Abe and Rose needed to kind of make sure that we all understood that they were digging around in any different possible avenue to maintain their lifestyle and they had exhausted that so that as we move forward we're fully at the point as as they are where they also realize like we are gonna have to do things really differently we just have to like and 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 our other lifestyle they showed us like physical doors closing on that previous lifestyle that like can't be reopened Mm -hmm. you know so i guess they allowed us all to move forward like and even whispered in our ears and if you're thinking a different outcome could have happened it couldn't and here's why those things were exhausted and now they've been exhausted in this episode so we're all gonna move forward and it sort of felt like that you know exactly okay thank you guys so much for listening we hope you enjoyed episode dose of Senorita Maisel (laughs) Buenas noches thank you for listening this has been an original Pod Clubhouse production Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.